I'm Stina. I'm Danielle. We want to focus on uh, television and movies in particular. Yes. Disclaimer that we are in no way film experts. A deep, like, dive. Be quiet. Whoa. I'm yelling. Back me up on this one. (laughs) Hey, you're listening to Two Girls Watch TV. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Two Girls Watch TV. I'm Danielle. And I'm Stina. Danielle, before we get started, I have to clear something up. Clear the air. I have a quick fixes, and I did my best to not sing it as the uh, the Hot Pocket song, because I, I just, if they ever get rid of that song, we need to buy it. <laughs> okay, we'll add it to our to-buy list. Do you have a running, I started this, do you have a bookmark on your Google, you know, Google thing? of like things to buy because I just started that and I feel like it's dangerous for me. I just make an Amazon wish list. Okay, well like I buy things from like multiple, I don't really buy a lot from Amazon. No, I just put it in my planner. I make a list of like things and then I look at it because I'm old fashioned in that regard. Okay, I now started a bookmark of all the things that I want to buy and go back to. So dangerous for me. Love that for my uh, online shopping. But please, do do tell me. Hot Pockets on the list. I'll add that to my my Google bookmark. The jingle. Just the jingle. Because okay. for those of you who are unaware, Danielle and I, when we first started Quick Fixes, we'd have something where we'd be like, oh, we want to research this, but we didn't get the chance to. Or, oh, we didn't even think about this. So then we would talk about it the next episode, and we would call it Quick Fixes. And in my head, all I could think of was the Hot Pockets jingle, and I wanted to have it so that we could call it quick fixes it just fucking works okay she doesn't want any of your judgment it just works it works beautifully chef's kiss on that but uh that was an explanation um so it i i want to say that it's more of an educated understanding of the hot pocket jingle and how it works for things with certain syllables hot pockets Hey, don't sue us. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Now, that's all out there. Now that um, we're, we've cleared that up, let's get into the actual quick fix that Christina has to share with okay. us. Okay. So when we put uh, the – nope, that's not what I want to do. When we put the um, request out for Director's Month for Tarantino time, right? Mm-hmm. Remember that I told you my student was the one who requested Death Proof. Yes, you did. Was that a lie? No, it was not a lie, but I may have misunderstood or forgotten. I may have mixed up my conversations. Okay. okay? So what I mean by that is um, I can't find him, but he's somewhere here in my messages. Come on. Here he is. Okay. So I think I had originally said that he said this it was it's so bad because it's good or it's it's bad on purpose yeah things i mixed it up i had that conversation with dave (laughs) (laughs) not brandon brandon if you're listening so sorry but i have the messages right here and i said after he recommended it i said why do you do this to me because I had seen it already at this point. And he said, it's the most interesting choice. That's what he said. Okay. Okay. 
So he listened to the episode and he was like, I didn't say that to you. And I was like, I'm pretty sure you did. And he's like, pull up your message. Well, I pulled out my message. I was like, let me pull out my messages. I'm pretty sure you said that. He's like, I didn't say that. I hate when people say that. I didn't say it. And then I pulled out my messages and I was like, all right, I'll fix it on one of the upcoming episodes. Okay. Sorry. Sorry for the misquote, Brandon. Imagine we are the New York Times and we are typing up misprint. Hmm. Misquote. Imagine having this student in a classroom. I... I couldn't imagine having any students in a classroom. I I am not the person to mold minds. <laughs> that, that is not. They come to me and they learn things. What that, do you want? That is not a talent that I possess. I should not be molding minds whatsoever. I can barely mold my own mind. I don't know why I'm even on this podcast. There were many. There were. There have been many challenges in the classroom, Brandon. If you're listening, I've appreciated all of your challenges. Um, but like we could stop with them now if we want, we don't have to do them all the time. (laughs) No, this was my fault. I'm owning up to it. I made a mistake and I'm sorry. So I fixed it. Okay. Okay. Cool. That's out of the way. Brandon, thank you for bringing that to my attention in the middle of the hallway. And, um, that's it. That's it. All right. Everyone. We'll see you next weekend. Bye. I don't really have an opener for this. Do you? Okay. I have a very important question for you. The movie we're about to talk about takes place in the late 90s, early 2000s. Did you ever get your hair wrapped while on vacation? Because I never did. And I'm really jealous of the girl in this movie who got her hair wrapped. And if you know what we're talking about... It's where you take like a little strand of your hair and you get like, it's that string that's on, that like used to make friendship bracelets with. Did you ever do that? Did you ever, there was the lanyard, which was the plastic, you know, thing that you would make like the box stitch and then the barrel stitch and then all the other stitches. But then there was the like soft, like cottony string that you would do like a, a four knot and you would make like a friendship bracelet with, but there were people on vacation that would like wrap your hair with it in different colors. Yeah, but I don't think I ever did it either. I don't think I ever, see, I don't think my mom ever, I think someone gave her a price and my mom was like, that's too expensive. Danielle doesn't yeah, need to do that. I think the same thing happened. And I, well, my mom's also a hairdresser. She's like, we could just do that when you get home. And then she never did it when you got home. No. Christine's shaking her head. No. No, that's not what happened. Um, yeah, I always wanted to have people wash their hair with them, though. You should go upstairs to your mom right now and be like, Mom. <laughs> I have to wait till she gets home. <laughs> be like, Deborah, here's some string. Get to work. So, at 32, let's go. Give it to me, Ma. You should have did one for your wedding. What? You should have did one for your wedding. Oh, God. <laughs> I could do one for yours. I can have it match the color of my shoes. Love that. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, if anyone knows what we're talking about, I feel like people know. I was just listening to a podcast today that brought up hair wraps when you were that age. I feel like they probably still do them. 
Yeah, people know. And you know what? If you know, you know. If you, you know, know, you know. If you don't, you don't. Also, you can Google it. That's what I, I do. That's what I do. If I'm really, really interested in someone's talking about something I don't know, Google it. Pause Google. Yeah. I like, I wasn't, I wasn't waving my hand at you. There was a fly on my screen. I figured. I figured you weren't. Pish posh. Get out of here. You with no. your hair. It's 2023. Everyone can Google anything. It's true. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we are talking about After Sun. But I'd also like to preface it by saying, we made a mistake. We did. And we're going to do the Hateful Eight next week. We, uh, yeah, we ended Tarantino Month perhaps a bit too prematurely. And uh, we forgot that we scheduled the Hateful Eight for this week. And we added a different movie. Oopsies. You know what? Yeah. We'll do it. We'll do it next week, and we'll put the schedule out for the rest of July. And honestly, you know what? I'll just do a brand new schedule for July. I'll put this on there. It'll be nice and clean. And just letting you know now that we're off the first and third week of August. Yeah, we're uh, we're booked and we're busy for August. <laughs> every every year, it's always that August is super busy, and we always consecutively drown ourselves in television every October. It's like we save all of our, like, big activities for August. Like, we, I mean, we got stuff going on in the beginning of the summer, but, like, everything just starts picking up in August. It's very true. Very true. It is. I'm trying to, like, (laughs) be upbeat and happy because it's all going to change very soon. What do you mean? Oh, us be... We're going to be tired real quick. <laughs> Start to talk about this A24 movie. Oh, whoa, whoa. You're, I thought we were talking about just, like, our personal lives picking up. But no, oh, we're talking about After Sun. Yeah. Another A24. This is, like, the third A24 film we've done in, like, a month or two months, Danielle. We did this. We did Waves. And then what else did we do? Marcel Michelle. Marcel Michelle was... She was on... Mar- Oh my God, my S's go crazy saying that. Marcel the Shell with shoes on. My lisp was about to come out. You're good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the many years I was in speech class. Which, Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Marcel the Shell with shoes on. It's like (laughs) Sally Sally sells shells by the seashore. She sells shells. Oh, shit. <laughs> she sells seashells by the seashore. I can't even attempt to do that one. How about I slit the sheet, the sheet I slit, and on the slitted sheet I sit? No. No. I'm that was not a, a- that's a Salvatore original. <laughs> and then he would yell at me because I would always end up saying shit at the end. Your dad and my dad were the same dad. <laughs> <laughs> they were friends so they were friends there's a reason they were friends it was because they were the same dad pals <laughs> all right i guess uh i guess dads is a great transition all right let's talk about this movie i can watch it on paramount plus or showtime <laughs> she says with disdain i'm just all right it's 
It's an emotional journey. That it's we're a going. sad, sad movie, but I okay. Hit me with oh, hold on. I'm going to tell you the awards. Yep. Okay. Before we get into this, I think we can agree that Paul Mezcal is an absolute babe. Like, <sighs> Paul Mezcal. I saw the, uh, you used the, uh, the Blanche, like, fanning herself when I made this <sighs> suggestion to you in our text thread. Paul Mezcal. Okay, because you don't know that I watched the show Normal People. Oh, I want to watch that show. It's a depressing show. I'm going to, if I'm saying that, <laughs> You're Lord. you know, it's, it's sad. It's a sad, sad show, but damn it, is Paul Mezcal so hot. Paul Mezcal, actually, you'll enjoy this piece of pop culture. Paul Mezcal was with Phoebe Bridgers. They recently broke up. And now Phoebe Bridgers is with none other than Bo Burnham. Really? Yes. Wait. What's her? Doesn't she have another last name? Phoebe Bridgers? I don't think so. I mean, maybe she does. Maybe that's a stage name. Who are you thinking of? Nope, that's not the person that I was thinking of. I was thinking of the creator of... The fuck was that show that we did? Are you thinking of the girl from Bridgerton? Phoebe Danavor? The show where she owns the shop. It's oh, a you're thinking of uh, what's her face? Um, I thought her name was Phoebe Wallace. Yeah, Phoebe Waller Bridge. You're thinking of Phoebe Waller Bridge. Yeah. No. That. I was thinking of. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is with Mark Martin McDonough, who did, what's that movie that we talked about? The Irishman. No. Uh, <laughs> Irishman. Oh, my God. If you guys are listening to this, you guys are probably screaming at your speakers. Not Irishman, but they are Irishmen. They are Irishmen in it. The fucking, he cuts off his fingers. The horse chokes on one. I could give you the whole synopsis. I just can't think of the movie name. We've done too much stuff. Um, How was it called? Uh, we can't, I can't, go, I can't get past this. Men laughing at cows. Um, what? It's <laughs> something with. What the fuck was this called? I will find it. The Banshees of Inishirin. That's it. Literally, as, as you said, I had the watch list locked and loaded, ready to rumble. I oh. am so sorry that I just said it was men laughing at cows. That is not the Banshees of Inishirin. <laughs> That's okay. I called it the Irishman, but I meant like they are Irishmen. They in are, the movie. And then I remembered there's a movie called The Irishman that we also talked about on this podcast. We're a hundred and what eighty episodes in? Yeah, We're, more than that. One eighty. One eighty one, I think. God. See, here's the thing. I when I started watching this, I was trying to remember waves. I was like, what's that movie that we just did that was A24 that was really, really sad? And I was like, uh, and I, and then I looked back and I just cleaned out my desktop because I keep all of our episodes on my desktop because I'm a hoarder and I'm also a really messy person. Um, and I was like, we just did Waves not long ago and my brain cannot remember any of it. 
I have terrible memory when it comes to like things that I watch and like retain any of that, which is really sad. Um, it's like you kind of like put them in your back pocket. Exactly. And then I like read the notes and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember what happens. Remember what happens in waves? Yeah, it all like that's that's one of the Annette is one that you'll never remember. Annette is one that you've completely blocked out. It's out of my mind. Yeah. Anyway, that being said, Paul Mezcal, hottie, but also, like, got cuckolded by Bo Burnham. So, very interesting. That was the last thing that we we didn't fucking get anywhere. No, we haven't. We have not. You didn't even give your summary. I'm just going to tell you that uh, Paul Mezcal was nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role at the Academy Awards. Was that the only nomination? I mean, there were other nominations, but none at, like, the Golden Globes. What? But it, wasn't it nominated for Best Picture as well? Mm-mm. Just Paul Mescal was nominated. Oh, okay. All right. A 31-year-old Sophie looks back on a vacation together with her dad. During this time, we find we find out that he's divorced, thinks of his ex-wife still as family, cares very deeply for his daughter, and wants to leave her with more permanent memories. Okay, so our main character, soon-to-be 11-year-old Sophie, played by Frankie Corio. Uh, She's on vacation in Turkey with her 30-year-old father, Colm, played by Paul Mezcal. Colm is not doing too hot. He wants the best for Sophie, but he's battling some demons. Sophie's going through some growing pains, has her first kiss, and idolizes the cool older kids. That's literally it. Like I can't, I can't really talk about any other character besides like older Sophie. But I was like, you know what? We'll do two. We'll do two. Yep. All right. Let's get into our climax. We've reached the last night of their vacation. However, the night previous, Column had a bit too much to drink, scarily went swimming in the ocean, and then passed out naked at Sophie's bed. As they are heading back from dinner on their last night, we'll flash forward, the resort is bumping some David Bowie. Callum, Callum is, he's, they're bumping Bowie. Uh, Callum is insisting on dancing, a juxtaposition from the night before when he wouldn't even sing karaoke with Sophie. Okay, you, me, you, me. If I ever say, what happened? You do a night at the Roxbury? I need your attention. He did me, you, me, him. That's that reminds me. You and me, right here. If I ever say to you, we're going to do karaoke and we're singing Losing My Religion by R.E.M., you better come and sing with me. Sorry. Uh, if we ever do karaoke and you ask me and I say, nah, send me to a hospital. <laughs> Honestly? not murder. Fun, I'm sorry to stop in the middle of our climax, but I ordered a karaoke microphone specifically for Christina's bachelorette party, and I honestly don't know why I haven't just given it to you. (laughs) I feel like you would get so much use out of it (laughs) and use it all the time and also low-key annoy Dave with it. (laughs) I have to make announcements. You can make so many announcements now. You could probably up the volume to that and have Rosie hear you three floors above. Oh my god. 
attention attention household it would be like yeah it would be like announcements at school you would hop on the um intercom i'm sure that dave would have some words for you (laughs) listen not as bad as your mom ordering those like mega big cowbells for your wedding and yeah and dave has tinnitus in his fucking ears i know i heard (laughs) (laughs) Where did I? Oh, so we're singing REM's "Losing My Religion." How dare he not get up and sing with his daughter, especially REM's "Losing My Religion." I yeah, that was a very strange thing for me to like see because the whole vacation he's like adamant about doing everything for her. Yeah. Okay, I just had to check myself and make sure that it was REM that sang "Losing My Religion" and not a different band. To avoid the quick fix from next week. But yes. Anyways. Okay. So as they're dancing to the bump and Bowie, uh, we get a splice together scenes of the strobe light dancing scene we've watched throughout the film. We see Column in particular in a striped shirt dancing and an adult Sophie clinging to him and then pushing to him and then grabbing him. Similar to how they've been dancing on that last night in Turkey. This is where I leave it over to you. After that moment happens, um, actually, I think it is when they get home. I don't think I did this out of order. I feel like after that you get them in the airport. Yeah, so that, okay, that's good. That's what I have here. Okay, so Sophie gets back home, is supposed to go to her mom and leaves the airport. Her dad films her through the building. After this, there is a long circular shot away from this scene to a present day Sophie watching these videos. And then again, another, we assume 180 shot to Column turning around and walking out of what we think is an airport but really just seems like an uh, an empty room. He walks through double doors to the infamous flashing videos that we've seen throughout the movie. It is strongly assumed that Colm has committed suicide after the holiday, leaving Sophie with recorded memories. Since her memories, to us, seem incomplete through flashes of imagery, she relies on these more permanent images to have a total understanding of who her father was. I agree. And then I uh, just want to throw out that in that final scene, when Colm is filming Sophie, he's wearing the same striped shirt that he's wearing in that like strobe light piece together scene. So it, you know, adds to the continuation of it all. Okie doke. On IMDb, what is it rated? 7.7 7 out of 10 on Metacritic, the Metascore was a 95 and the user score was a 7.9 yeah high high scores high scores all around the critics on rotten tomatoes gave this a 96 percent, and the audience gave it an 82 percent christina says with a wince as (laughs) she listens to these (laughs) high scores i didn't say anything do you want to give your review do you have a What's your, what's your rating? Give me your rating first. I picked this review for you. It is a six out of 10. Okay. 
titled Great for Others. Am I, I, am I the others? Might be the others. I am only writing this review so I can remember later on why I only gave this movie a six. I understand that this movie has an extremely powerful and intimate presentation of a relationship between a reckless father and his young daughter. I noticed the intricacies and nuance that the filmmakers tried to convey throughout. I just did not connect with the film at all. I imagine that this film hit some people hard, but for me, I was quite bored with it by the end. I have to simply be true to my own feelings and opinions from a film and conclude that to me, it is simply okay. Don't take my rating too seriously because I can genuinely imagine somebody else watching this film thinking that it is the best thing they ever saw. I'm not saying that I agree with this, but I had this in mind for you. This is an incredibly rare review for the internet. Because I feel like the internet is a place for people to put on a little mask and spew whatever they want to. And I think that it is very nice that this person, even though they rated it what they rated it, you know, understands that, okay, I'm me and I didn't like it, but for someone else, it could be great. And I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. This might be one of my favorite reviews that I found so far on our podcast. I, I, I will second that. I don't necessarily agree with the person's rating, but you know what? I appreciate the understanding that their word is not canon because who are they? Yeah. Um, it might be tied with the one that we did with all the ellipses. Oh, that, that, that was a good one. Never going to forget that one, you know? That was different. That was a different vibe, though. That was more like more critiquing grammar and wondering why a person is the way that they, they are. But this is absolutely fantastic. Love this review. Love this energy. I think that every person should take note of how to act properly on the internet because it doesn't mean that you're out of a social situation. You're still in a social, situa- social situation. So be a real person. That's yeah, and it's, it's from January, the end of January, this review. And it was, um, sometimes we read the names, we don't read the names. Do you want me to read the name? You can read the name if you want to read the name. Carson Payne-66437. So thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. All right. I have a five out of five star review. Surprise, surprise. Go ahead, please. It is a character study more than a movie. It is a memory put on celluloid and it feels deeply personal. In fact, After Sun is not a movie to watch, it is a movie to inhabit because it plays in its own form, in its own voice, without any worries about what audiences might think. It is also beautiful thanks to the beautifully crafted cinematography works of George Oki that assures you will always feel you are scoping a very private moment from one or both leading characters here. As for the acting, Paul Mezcal and Frankie Corio are both tremendous. Mezcal proves he is one of the best. Hold on. Mezcal proves he is one of the best actors of his generation here. He is an amazing, no, his amazing sensibility and self-awareness that allow him to be this emotionally naked and raw on screen. I'm literally naked. Uh, He embodies... (laughs) 
He embodies the tragedy and inner sadness and chaos of Column and deliver it in a cinematic magic form. Cine Hold on. And deliver it in cinematic magic form. I'm combining those and making it cinematic. All cinematic. As for Frankie Corio, she delivers on one of the best child performances you'll ever see in years. She is able to match Mezcal in what I could call acting maturity, something that allows her to read the character and just become the character. She's an effortless performer, and she never misses a note when the film is carrying on her shoulders about Mezcal support. Sorry, I'm laughing because Christina just did a big wind kick to, <laughs> to get over her. <laughs> wow, big windmill kick just in the Zoom right now. I had to uncross my legs. I saw, and you did it dramatically. <laughs> Go on. Sorry. All right. Charlotte Wells crafted a very special movie and can feel how deeply personal it is. A sensitive directing approach that primes character development and filmmaking voice you can hear in every frame. Bravo. Brava. Bravo. All right. You want to start with your lows? Give me your lows. I want to hear the lows. All right. So there were a couple of times where I just felt the pacing was slow. There were certain times where um, the slowness made sense because they were having a moment. But that doesn't mean that every moment. Okay. This is the best way that I could think to relate this to like, this is very real. This mm -hmm. is a very real film, right? So when things are real, they're supposed to feel very real. Yeah. And when we do things that don't follow that suit, it kind of creates like an inconsistency in the subgenre of realness. Okay. That so the reason that I'm saying that is because not every moment in life happens the exact same way. Mm -hmm. And they had a lot of moments and they were all paced the same. And I think I would have appreciated some of those moments more if they weren't all super slow. Mm -hmm. Because it's like when you set your expectations for something in life and you're like, this is how this is going to go. I want it to go this way. And then it doesn't, right? Because it's life and it's real. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just wish that some of those moments um, staggered in pacing. A little bit instead of just saying like okay we're gonna make these moments that really make you feel formulaic in a sense where they have a setup they have an ending there's a moment of silence but like not every moment in life that is meaningful happens in that exact same way um so that would be one of my biggest lows my other biggest low is there were a couple of times where it was just silent yeah and I kind of wish that they had some sort of like non-lyrical abstract sort of music to like guide me into what I should feel from that scene into the next scene instead of just silence. I believe the word you're looking for is score. You wish there was a score to this film because... It's, there is a score, but well, I don't like... No, there's music in the film. There is a difference between like someone being a music producer and picking out nostalgic jams which i highly i highly appreciate in this movie because the nostalgia 
in the soundtrack was on point. And then there's a score to the film, but it seems like the score is just like very silent or and at times non-existent. Yeah, but like when the when they had the water, when they were on the when there was a shot of the water, mm-hmm. there was that yeah. sort of, you know, score there. But then there were this, just these moments of silence and I I wasn't I wasn't I don't know why. And it was like in the beginning. I didn't know why there was silence. It didn't it, to to me it, it, it I don't I don't think it made any sense. Like I kind of liked when they had that little bit of of like a musical like interlude to like yeah have me wrap up this scene with feelings and then like take those feelings or like manipulate them into the next like I love when music does that I kind of wish that those silent moments were filled with that instead yeah I mean my low is that I I will admit as someone who likes this film that it is definitely slow like the pacing is very very slow however what I loved about this film and what I realized as I was, you know, jumping into it and to echo my review is that this is a woman's memories of the last vacation she went on with her father. And when you look back at your life as an 11-year-old girl being a woman in her 30s, which both you and I can relate to, it doesn't come back in one cohesive thing. It comes back in slices. It comes back in pieces. It comes back just very disjointed. Like you just remember different parts of it. And that's what I loved about this film because that's exactly how this story is told. It's told in like these one shot of her looking up at the sky and seeing these people jumping from the sky and remembering what they look like and remembering her dad saying like no you're not old enough you can't like skydive or whatever the heck parasailers whatever the heck they were and like her just staring at him watching them like float in the sky um seeing your dad from the reflection of the table as opposed to looking him dead in the face because maybe you're like looking down at the table and you can just see him in that reflection and you know if you want to say that the charlotte not charlotte no sophie i'm sorry who who the heck is charlotte if you want to say that sophie is supposed to maybe mirror the director it would make sense that even at 11 years old, she's trying to find a different angle of how to view things and how to see things in a different way. Or like looking at the reflection of a TV and watching it through her like video camera. I absolutely loved it. The cinematography was on point. The way that the story was told was absolutely on point. It felt so, so incredibly real when I, I, me as a person who like thinks back on my memories, views my memories in a similar light to the way that Sophie views her memories. And I relate to that and I loved it. I liked the symbolism as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard me, but Charlotte is the director and the writer. So maybe that's where you got Charlotte from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I really think that this was very creatively done. It's, mm-hmm. it's a artsy film. I mean, it is. It's, think i think if you want to watch this film you should know that going into it if you don't know what a24 is just assume it's an artsy film just assume it has some sort of vagueness and abstract in it because that's kind of their jam i mean creative liberties 
if you want to talk about the show being the movie being slow creative liberties were taken and that's why (laughs) it feels the way that it does yeah i mean but i yeah i i thought it was very like the the whole like the flashing scenes trying to figure that out him walking through the doors into her disjointed jumbled memories yeah Uh, because that part I don't think I wanted to like this movie because I think it maybe hits too close to home. So I'm going to try my best to say what I have to say here. Uh, But for those of you who maybe don't know, my dad passed away about 10 years ago. So when he like, when he kind of like walked through that door, it's like the death part of this is um, messy, regardless of how your parent goes. And so like, I think people just become so over with emotions at that point that like certain memories start to get disjumbled because you're desperately trying to cling to them yeah and if you can't remember them you get really frustrated with yourself and then you try then the harder and harder you try sometimes like the less and less you remember like like when you memorize information and you're just trying to remember the next line and you've forgotten and you're kind of frozen and you try harder and harder and you maybe sometimes start forgetting more and more information and that really gets frustrating so I think that that part was really on point in terms of like grief. Um, but I don't know. My father didn't take his life. So I don't know if it's, you know, maybe a little, it's, it's, it's bound to be different, but definitely like you're never really prepared for death anyway. Yeah. It, and I also think that there is a moment where you realize like, yeah, your memory, like, like you said, like memories become jumbled and disjointed, which is really sad, but that's just like the natural progression of life. Um, I did absolutely love the symbolism of the rug, like throughout the film, she says like, I don't know why, like Sophie is fully aware that her father does not have the money that like, I don't know, that maybe her mom does, or maybe that she's used to, but he still buys in Asian. I'm sorry, say that again. I don't even know how he's affording the vacation. I, I don't know either, but he still has the money to buy an 850-pound rug in 19, let's say, $19.99. How the hell were you even affording that? Um, yet when you see her flash forward and she still has that rug, it's still her clinging to her memories of her father, which is such like such beautiful symbolism. No, I agree. Um, Um, To segue out of something so, so heavy that this film really lays on you, I mean, the nostalgia of this movie. Yeah. It was on point. As two people who were probably 11-year-olds at the same exact time that Sophie was an 11-year-old, they hit the nail on the head with this movie. Nothing nothing felt out of place. There was one shirt where it was like the collar, the like bodice and the sleeves were all different colors. I was like, I remember those. Yeah. The outfits. I feel like there was a scene with uh, Colm wearing like one of those like, I guess uh, it has like the Hawaiian flowers. I'm like hibiscus, hibiscus flowers. And they're like very cartoonish. Like, it just feels so, so of the time. 
the hair wrap, which I brought up in the beginning, the technology that they're using. They're like using Walkman with like the, the like really terrible earbuds that hurt your head. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. The camcorder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, did you have an aunt that was always attached to the camcorder? My dad, my dad liked to film a lot of things, but he used to, he was, <laughs> uh, he would get very nervous. And when he would get nervous, as we know, well, you know, he would shake. Mm -hmm. So he would either get like nervous that he was going to miss something or he would get nervous that he's going to break the camera. And so we would play back the tapes and my mom would be like, Sal, what are you auditioning as the cameraman for the next Blair Witch Project? What are you doing? <laughs> of all the things to say the nice Blair Witch project well cause the camera's like so shaky. shaky yeah I shit you not there is video footage probably of me like 11 years old in Disney and we're on It's a Small World and I was literally like my dad was filming, but I really wanted to film. And that was no joke pushing his camera so that he could get the shots that I wanted him to get. <laughs> I had such only child. I still do. I have such only child energy. It's ridiculous. I don't know how my dad didn't just like push me off the ride at that point. <laughs> Man had patience. And then I became a part of It's a Small World. <laughs> kind of like Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> yeah. Very much like that. Imagine how crazy I would go if I grew up amongst It's a Small World. It wouldn't take long, I don't think. No, no. Anyway, um, the music... Uh, uh, Let's talk about the music. We got Spice Girls. We got the Macarena. We've got Losing My Religion, which we talked about. What other music is playing in this in this film? Oh, um, shit. I had it and I forgot it. But you mentioned the Macarena and there's a low. There's a big low for the me. The Macarena is a low for you? Wait, I didn't get to the low yet. They did not properly time the dancing to the Macarena and it shows. But I feel like that was the point. Like they were supposed to be so bad that they couldn't even do the Macarena. They were doing it though, but they just weren't. When the chorus came on, they were like, they already had their hands on their hips. I'm like, guys, we're out here. What are we doing? We got our arms out. <laughs> you had to jump in and uh, five, six, seven, eight dance moms them into uh, doing the Macarena correctly. It's the 90s. Everybody knew how to do the Macarena. Obviously, some people did not. The timing. What a mess. Um, the set design also was just very, like, I had never been to Turkey at 11 years old. But let me tell you, I've been on vacation at 11 years old. And the vibe of this hotel and the vibe of the hotels I stayed at at 11 years old, same vibe. One may have been in, like, Ocean City, Maryland versus Turkey. Same vibe. Yeah, very much so. I agree. Yeah. that That's what made this movie, for me, 
Like, I know there was a sadness to it, but the nostalgia hit me right in the feels. And, like, that feeling of being, like, I don't know, in that pre-teen stage and, like, wanting to be cool and wanting to be, like, part of the teenagers and, like, feeling like you're kind of there but not really, like, making friends on vacation. I don't know. There was just so many, like, nostalgic tropes that just, it hit right. Right. No, I get it. Definitely. Okay. Are you ready to let's go into okay. snack break? I've been right. I've been yammering. I had well, all right. During watching this, I made sure that I went to Dunkin' Donuts. You went to Dunky? I went to Dunky and I had a an iced coffee with oat milk. Love that. But before before, like right before I watched this, we went to go get lunch at this restaurant. This is not a plug. We're not, they're not a sponsor. Um, at Agave Maria, which is a new restaurant in Belleville, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And uh, the food is really good. And I had probably one of the most refreshing salads of my life. So I've been there before and I had like tacos and I was like, I want to try something different. Okay. Salad. Had like, you know, like your standard restaurant mixed greens, but it had, and like cucumbers and like, you know, what you expect. But it also had watermelon. Oh. Pomegranate seeds. Oh. Like a different crunch. And then I got chicken and I was like, they'll probably just grill it. Like it's not going to be, oh no, this was pulled chicken on my salad. And might I add the whole, when they gave it to me, the whole top of the salad was covered with pulled, a light, like a thin layer of pulled chicken all over the top of the that salad. That sounds so good. It was, it was bomb. It was really good. Mm. Perfect for summer. So that sounds incredible. Can't wait to go. Um, so I didn't really eat anything while watching this, but you know what this made me nostalgic for? An ice pop. Christina, what was your go-to ice pop order in the late 90s, early 2000s? Strawberry shortcake, Danielle. A strawberry shortcake? Okay. Me and Mama Timmy used to eat those all the time. (laughs) See, I used to be, if I was going that, like the legit ice cream as opposed to ice pop, I would go with the chocolate eclair. Uh. Over the strawberry shortcake. I remember specifically where we went to grammar school they had both in the freezer, and I would go chocolate eclair over strawberry shortcake. However, if we're talking ice pops, the red, white, and blue firecrackers, the blue sharks, or not the blue, no, I think they are. They're like a lemon-lime shark that would go around in the, the trucks, in the ice cream trucks. And then also, there was a thing called... I'm pretty sure it's called Shots. When I went to camp, they would sell them. They would come in a little, like, tube like this. And it would be little frozen ice pops, but they would be, like, kind of like Dippin' Dots. But instead uh, of being, like, creamy Dippin' Dots, they would be, like, I don't know, fruity Dippin' Dots, I guess is the best way to put it. Well, if you're doing that, then mine would probably be, like, the Cotton Candy Bubblegum Cone. Oh, where really? Pink, and then the bubble, the gum piece at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Probably. Or the SpongeBob. Obviously, there's where the uh, wasn't it the eyeballs were gum. Yeah, but that's like very late '90s because SpongeBob aired in 1999. So 
take that as you will. Did you ever do, um, I don't know why I'm asking you if you ever did. I already know that you did. Um, the little tubey, the plastic tubey uh, ice pops that would come like perforated with each other and then you would stick them all in the freezer and then you'd like divide them up. Yeah, it was, we didn't always have them in the house, but actually I remember those from doing camps at, at our high school over the yeah. summer. Yeah. Like, what was your go-to flavor for that? What was it? Hold on, one more time. I don't know why you keep cutting out. Blue. <laughs> I think I'm blue. talking too much and you're... Blue, 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 blue. Blue, <laughs> blue. I don't know what kind of flavor it is. It's blue flavor to me. With vibrato. <laughs> blue. She likes the color of blue. Flavored blue. Blue flavored. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like I probably went red. I don't know. I didn't like the blue because it, I know I liked the purple. I liked grape because I'm weird. Yeah, no, I was never a fan of artificially flavored grape or cherry things. I'd actually prefer the lemon and the lime over grape and cherry. May I say that... I know I just acted like the watermelon sounded really good in a salad, but I do not like regular watermelon. Like, I will not eat a piece of watermelon. However, I don't like watermelon. I don't know. It's a texture. However, if you, the best flavor Jolly Rancher around is the watermelon Jolly Rancher. Do not even compare a real watermelon to a Jolly Rancher watermelon. They are not the same. I will take a Jolly Rancher watermelon any single day over an actual piece of watermelon fight me i'm fine i'm fine with it i i will i will gladly go to my grave with that feeling i have yet to eat an actual blue raspberry so good luck finding a whole wild blue raspberry is what it is in the wild all right Uh, now that we've we're almost about to hit an hour. What's your expectation versus reality? My expectation, I just, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know anything about this except the name of it. I just assumed it was going to be a love story. I don't know why. Kind of went in blind and I was very wrong. Very wrong. It was not. Um, I knew it was about Paul Mezcal. I knew Paul Mezcal being a single father. I uh, didn't know it would delve into his mental health and him dying. Uh... It was heart- very heartbreaking at the end. Was not expecting that. I don't even know what I was trying to say in my next sentence. Sorry, I'm trying to read my notes. I think I was half asleep. To think that last video was the last part of him she had besides the rug. Okay, that does actually make sense. To think that the last video that she had of him was the last part she had like clinging to her memories it's so sad but i think it was a beautiful film did you have any irl moments i feel like we just discussed so many of them we did because you know this just hits very close to home for us because we uh grew up in this time period but my dad taught me how to play pool when i was around her age and that just felt really nostalgic well they were all playing pool Ah, my I used to bond over self-defense. So that scene, you know. 
Our dads both taught us to do things. I also went to Turkey and I visited one of those rug rooms. Oh, really? I bought a small one for my mom to put one of her phases on it. Um, and like in the beginning, I was like, oh, IRL mom, it has to be this. When she's like sleeping, watching TV, she's very clearly tired. And the dad's like, uh, tired or time for bed. I can't remember what he says. And she like forces herself to snap out of it. And she's like, no, I did that. I do that. And I don't know why, because I'm an adult now. Right. So like, who's going to stop me from falling asleep and tell me it's time to go to bed? Because I know you, you sleep with your eyes open. I can. Yeah, I very much. No, can. no, not you can. You do. Well, not every night, but it, it does have. I would say there's a 50 50 chance of that happening. Yeah. While the first time I ever saw that, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> REM as well so my eyes were like a fucking typewriter <laughs> I can't all right you gotta work that out my friend <laughs> the dry eye that you must be dealing with really I can't I can't with you it is what it is I understand it's it's creepy it's definitely creepy it is I know <laughs> Oh, um, my goodness. Yeah, you don't have dry eye. You've just rubbed your eyes. They're itchy. All right. Sure. Anyways, that's all that we've got for you t- today. Yay. All right, so next week we'll do the Hateful Eight. We'll get back on track. Um, if you – well, I will post the July schedule relatively soon sometime this weekend. So if you want to write a review in – um, you can DM us on Instagram and Twitter at Hey It's Two Girls. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Classic Stina. Danielle's on Instagram at Danielle Kobianki. You can email us reviews, suggestions for the future. Uh, I know the Emmy nominations are coming out next week, so if there's something that you want to hear, um, send us an email. Two Girls Watch TV at gmail.com. Two is spelled out T W O. The two, the YouTube channel is Two Girls Drink Beer. And if you get a chance and you want to leave us a nice little review on iTunes or Spotify, that'd be great wonderful all right everyone enjoy the rest of your weekend and we'll catch you next week bye